Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicole. And today on the show, we're talking about who is going to rent my property. What does the average tenant look like? Now, I actually did an episode back, I think it was 1421, about what will my tenants be like. And we shared stories about good and bad tenants, trying to challenge our own biases about what different tenants are going to be like. But I also think it missed the mark, Andrew. Because there wasn't any data in it. And I remember one of our financial advisors, Stevie, asked, you know, talk to us about what the average tenant looks like. And so we shared stories. But then I thought, nope, I'm going to go to Statistics New Zealand <laughs> and I'm going to rummage through all of their website and find some data about who tenants are. Because investors do often ask, you know, what sort of tenants going to rent my property? Now, Andrew, what do property managers usually say when you ask them, you know, who's going to rent my property? They'll say something like, it could be anyone. <laughs> they, always, they always say anyone. It could Which be anyone. True. If someone asked me, I'd say the same thing. But I find that deeply unsatisfying. Oh, you're such a nerd. I know. I want to see graphs. I want to know segments. I want to see percentages. And so we have rummaged it through. Now, Andrew, at the national level, so if we look across all of New Zealand before we dig into a specific suburb, what are the main differences between renters and owners and how they live? Well, firstly, renters are more likely to flat. So you're more likely to have a, a collective environment. So you might be a couple of different... Ed and I are deciding to live in together and because we're not a couple, we're now flatters. That's correct. So that makes up 9% of the households who rent compared to 3% of people who are households who own their own house living in a flatting situation. What's interesting is it's actually not as high as I would have thought. So, you know, kind of one in 10 households that rent, so one in 10 rental properties, are flatting situations. That's way lower than what I thought it was going to be. What do you reckon yeah, about I suppose that? so. And then also renters are more likely to be single. So one in four renters are living alone compared to one in five homeowners living alone. Yeah, so about 25% of renters just live by themselves compared to 20% of homeowners. Guess if you own your own house, you'd nab someone in a bit easier. Well, no, I think it's also about affordability. You know, so if you think about a single person, it is way harder to be able to afford your own home. Yes. So you might be able to do it, but you might have to wait another five years or 10 years to be able to do it because you need to be in a more robust financial position. One other thing, though, is there will be a lot of variation around the country. So a suburb like Remuera in Auckland, where it's a very wealthy suburb, is going to have a completely different profile to the likes of somewhere like Kew in Invercargill City. So, for example, there are lots of Aucklanders who rent, and there are lots of people in Ashburton and Southland who own their own homes. Now, if we just look at the national stats at the national level, that's going to tell us more about the differences between Aucklanders and Southlanders rather than what we really want to know, which is owners versus renters. So we're going to dive into a specific location and we're going to actually start with Addington, which is a suburb in Christchurch that we've talked a lot about on the show. And look, I'm a bit selfish because it's a suburb where I own property myself. Andrew, you own in Addington? Yes, I do, Ed. And it's representative of what we see across the country. Now, Andrew, what is the first thing we notice about People who rent in Addington compared to people who own homes in Addington. The renters typically are a lot younger. And then as people get older, they typically tend to own their own property. 
it's basically what we'd expect to see, but in data form. So what's interesting is we've got 19% of renters in Addington are between 25 and 29 years old. We see, uh, I think, over 50% are between 20 and 35. So they're really young. Whereas if we look at people between, say, 25 and 65, homeowners, we see a pretty even split of around about 10% in each category. So renters really tend to be younger. And you know what, why might that be the case, Andrew? Because they're starting out on their property journey, and so they're probably saving a deposit rather than having used it for buying their first house. Yeah, they're in their first jobs. They're trying to save up their deposit. They're maybe uh, finding the love of their life and eventually <laughs> going to buy a house together, or they're increasing their income so they are able to do it on their own. And what that tells me, though, is that if you're renting out a property in Addington, you're probably going to have somebody between the years of 20 to 35 is what you would expect to see. That is your typical renter. There are still some people who rent who are 85 to 89 years old. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? In fact, 1% of rental households in Addington are over the age of 90, 90 or older. So it could be anyone that you could get a 90-year-old, but you are more likely to have somebody a wee bit younger. The next thing is, let's talk about household composition, Andrew. And, you know, do we see lots of flats or what sort of households are we going to rent to in Addington? So the really interesting thing is half of the people who are renting in Addington are just a single family. So these are families that have gone out and said, yeah, I'm renting rather than owning my own property. And then about a third are single people. Isn't that amazing? So the vast majority of people, what's that, 80% roughly, make up either just one family or just an individual person. I am amazed that 32%, almost 33% of rental households in Addington are single people. Especially because there's a lot of two-bedroom townhouses or three-bedroom townhouses there. It's huge. And we don't see a massive proportion of flatters. About 17% of rental households in Addington are flatters. But I just, I cannot get over that. 33% of rental households are just one person living in them. So if I'm a two-bedroom townhouse in Addington and I've got you and me living there in our separate rooms, I'm considered a flatter. Yes. And that's only 17%, less than 17%. Yeah, because that's two individual people living together. Wow. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is we can break down those single families even further. So if we look at who are those single families, well, 40% of those single families, so 20% of people who rent in Addington, are just a couple. Two people living together, that's 20% of your rental population. That's followed really closely by couples with children. So two people there, both parents, or not necessarily both parents, might be a single parent plus potentially a new partner, something like that. What's really interesting, where we see some differences between homeowners and renters is the number of people who are single parents with children. So rental households are much more likely to be single parents with children. They make up 18% of single family households compared to only 9% for homeowners. Now, why would that be the case? Why would there be a high percentage of renters who are single parents, Andrew? I think this is when you get into a situation where you maybe have had a separation, someone's left the family home, now they've got to go and rent somewhere while they re-establish themselves and they might still have a child that they've got 50% of the time. It could also be that you've had to sell that family home, split the assets, and they don't have enough yet to go and purchase that property. 
Or it could be that let's say that you're a solo parent and maybe the mother or the father of your child has never really been around. Well, it's a lot harder to raise children on one income rather than on a double income household. That's really obvious. So financially, it is going to be harder to make that step and become a homeowner if you're a single parent. And so that's kind of quite obvious once you see the data. So, you know, if you think about, okay, you've got a 50% chance of renting out your property to a single family in this specific suburb. Well, of those, you've got a 40% chance that's going to be a couple only, about the same that's going to be a couple with children, slightly under 20% chance that's a solo parent with children. You know, there, there are some other different situations. You might have a couple and they've got one flatmate in there. You might have one parent and a child and a flatmate, but those are kind of rats and mice. They don't make up a, a large proportion. You're mainly talking about couples, couples with children and single parents with children. That's what we really see. Now, what's interesting as well, Andrew, and I haven't put this on an article that we released on our website, but I'm going to get you to talk to us about the number of bedrooms that renters need or that renters take and the sort of houses they choose to live in compared to owner-occupiers, because this is actually, there's quite a bit of a difference and it's very interesting. What are we seeing here? So interestingly, for one-bedroom houses or flats or townhouses, far more renters than owner-occupiers. So almost, it uh, looks like about 17% compared for renters when you're, it's maybe sort of 5% for owners. So 17% of rental households will go for a one-bedroom property compared to owner-occupiers. Now, what that tells us is that one-bedroom properties are really popular with renters. They are not as popular with owner-occupiers. And that probably matches up with what we said before. A third of renters in this area are single people, so they don't need a lot of bedrooms. They're not going to pay extra to have a lot of bedrooms. They're just going to have that single one. What about the other types of bedrooms? Two bedrooms, on the other hand, are almost the same. So it looks like it's about 40% of households want a two-bedroom if it's if they own the property, and renters is about 42%, say. So two-bedroom properties, really popular with both owner-occupiers and renters, but then we see a difference of the three bedrooms. Yeah, once you get to three and four bedrooms, significantly less people are renting these, more are owning them. Yeah, and I think the reason behind that is even though a third of people who own their own homes in Addington, in the suburb, are single, you've got to think about where they are in their life cycle. So I always think about my mum or like my aunts and uncles, you know, people who are somewhere between 55 and, you know, kind of 65, they've lived their lives, they've had kids, and they've still got a three-bedroom home. And they're set up, they're in a financially stable position because they've owned a house for 30 years or more. And so you can have a single, or you're more likely to have a single person who owns their own home having a three- or four-bedroom home because they've just had it for years and they're financially stable, whereas a renter who's single is more likely to just have a one-bedroom home. I mean, this just makes total sense and you can see it in the data and understand why that would be the case. But it's not until you get the data that you think, oh, that makes sense. Actually, let's just talk about incomes because we've got time as well. What do we see in terms of the differences in incomes between owner-occupiers and renters? So unsurprisingly, people who are renting, there is a massive disconnect in terms of that zero to $20,000 a year income in renters versus owners. So about half of people on that level of income own their own property, which that's what you'd expect, right? If you're on a relatively low income, 
you're more likely to be renting because you don't have that surplus income to be buying a house. Yeah, so you do have this kind of spike of renters who are on that very low income, zero to $20,000 household income. I expect that most of those people will not be renting in the private market. Those people are going to be renting social housing. So as a landlord looking at this, I wouldn't expect that my renter is going to have a household income of less than 20000 What's interesting, though, is you still get a decent number of renters that have a really high household income. Yeah, well, 7.4% have an income of over $150,000. It's pretty significant. About 20% have an income of 100 to 150, and about 17% have an income of 70,000 to 100,000. So some chunky incomes. And, and not actually that different from owner occupiers. And I've released Very this similar. data on our website, by the way. I'll link it down in the show notes so you're able to scroll through and play around with this. The main difference we see is at the very low end and the very high end of incomes. So homeowners, unsurprisingly, you've got a much higher percentage of them who have a household income of over $150,000 a year. For renters, you've got a larger proportion who earn that very low level of income as well. So what does this tell us all up? On the whole, renters are going to be younger. If you're renting out a house, it's more likely to be somebody between 20 and 35 years old. On top of that, they really like one and two bedroom properties. Yes, they they definitely rent three and four bedroom properties, but if I compare it to owner occupiers, three bedroom properties are more popular with owner occupiers than they are with renters. On top of that, you've got about a 50% chance of renting out to a single family. You know, maybe that's a couple, maybe a couple with kids, maybe a single parent with kids. A 33% chance, depending on the property you buy of renting out to just one person, a flatting situation is actually not very popular at all. And actually, some renters have decent levels of incomes as well. Now, I'll see if I can create a tool. This is, don't hold me to this, Andrew. I know what you're going to do. This sounds like it's going to be an extensive tool. What I'd love to do, actually, is create some sort of tool where people could run these stats but for whatever suburb they're interested in investing in. And again, it's really important to understand that while this is one suburb, this is the general trend that we see around the country. And it's important to look at only one suburb as opposed to a whole city or the whole country, because that's where the differences between renters in Southland and the renters in Northland or the renters in the Waikato or the Wellington market will skew each other's results. So we want to get in and targeted. So if we can say, okay, we're buying in this specific suburb, what sort of trends do we see? In the link that I'm going to put down in the show notes, if producer David reminds me, I'm also going to put in the stats for Henderson and West Auckland, so you can see that as well. But also remember, this is one part of choosing a good investment property. So if you are thinking about investing, you don't want to get too caught up on just who your tenant's going to be. Well, there's a real risk as well that somebody looks at that graph and says, tenants, well, there's a higher proportion of people who earn zero to 20k. But what you've also got to remember is that makes up 17.5% of renters in Addington. What that means is there are 82.5% of renters who earn a higher income than that. And what we've also got to remember is it depends what sort of property you're going to buy. You know, if you're renting out to social housing, then you're more likely to have a lower income renter. If you're purchasing a more premium property, you're more likely to attract somebody with a higher income. So this tells us about the market and just gives us a sense of who might our tenants be. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And on top of that, we've got a webinar. We're talking about the election, the policies coming out of different parties. We're also going to talk about what it means for you and your property investment journey, 
what the property market looks like and how to be successful in 2024. If you want to come along to that, it is on the 5th of September at 7pm. Link is out in the show notes. Free to come along or just go to openspartners.co.nz slash webinar. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. I'm Andrew Nicole. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the use of the property market. Until next time. <laughs>